Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates, and our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hi, this is Lenny Kaiser with ClearanceJobs.com, and welcome. Today, I am joined by Lewis Shepard. He is with VMware in their research and innovation team, also vice chair of ASIA Intelligence and a part-time advisor at the office of the Secretary of Defense, so a guy with a lot of hats. But the hat we want to talk about first today is the Intel Summit that is coming up at the Gaylord National Resort September 15th and 16th. There is still time to register, so mark your calendars and check it out. ASIA and to put this summit on. I, If I was a better researcher, I would know exactly how many years, but I know we've attended for a few years. It's always a great event. You bring together a lot of leaders, a lot of networking opportunities, a great exhibit floor. So Lewis, just talk a little bit about your role with that Intel Summit, maybe how you're involved and what people can kind of expect from the program there. Happy to. Thank you, Lindy. Thanks for all the great work you guys do highlighting the partnership between the federal government and great groups around the Beltway and around the nation, including the two that come together to host this particular event every fall. I have a part-time position with AFSIA. Old name was, you know, it was the Armed Forces Communications Electronics Association, and it really does that mission. They just go by the acronym now because we're in D.C. and everybody has to have an acronym. So AFSIA, which is a 30 plus thousand member global organization, nonprofit that supports that intersection between the government and particularly the military, but national security elements of the government and the private sector, particularly the tech technology sector. And of course, that's where I've spent my career. So I really love working with AFSIA. I'm the vice chair of the intelligence committee of AFSIA. AFSIA International has several leading committees, a technology committee, a defense committee. Intelligence is maybe its most active, and that's the one that uh, I've been affiliated with for quite a while. A bunch of leaders, current government liaison leaders and current private sector leaders in this space around the Beltway. And we have multiple events through the year. We do a lot of classified events with the government. This is our highlight. And it's so big and so exciting and so chock full of content that we have to partner with another great organization, INSA, the Intelligence and National Security Alliance, with a lot of old friends there. And we and INSA jointly host this Intelligence and National Security Summit. We do it every fall. It's an unclassified event. Last year, we had, I think, nearly 2,000 people in person or remotely in person this year. Really looking forward to that again, the opportunity after the pandemic. I believe this is the eighth year that we've done this jointly. And certainly it was on a fantastic trajectory to be in the multiple thousands before the pandemic. It's really wonderful that we're now back in line to be doing it in person again. We're doing it, as you mentioned, here at the Gaylord here in Washington, D.C., right on the edge of the swamp. No, it's a lovely place. Phenomenal panels, great keynotes. I don't want to highlight everything that's going to happen. If you're not already registered, you can go to intelsummit.org, intel with just one L, intelsummit.org. And it's a, a phenomenal event. There'll be a lot of people there from multiple arenas, a lot of government attendees, leading government officials. Whether they're speaking or not, we get hundreds of government current serving officials who wind up coming because of the opportunity to 
to attend the panels, listen to the discussion, engage in conversations with leading industry people. We'll have people from industry R&D, people from industry account teams who work with various government customers and clients. And then we get a lot of thought leaders from the rest of the national security world, a lot of think tank participation. It's just a, a wonderful event every year. The two panels that I want to highlight which if you're in DC and if you work in anything vaguely related to intelligence or technology for national security, and these two panels don't excite you about attending, then you're sleeping right now. So I'll speak louder and wake you up. One is going to be moderated by our overall CEO of AFSIA, General Susan Lawrence. And she is moderating just a stellar panel of, you know, the true senior leadership of the technology world of DOD and the IC. She has on her panel the brand new chief digital and AI officer, the CDAO of the Department of Defense, Craig Martell. She has the deputy CIO of the Department of Defense, the CIO's role for the Department of Defense, and Kelly Fletcher is the deputy there. It's the world's largest organization, the world's largest bureaucracy, and therefore the world's largest challenge for CIOs. And Kelly Fletcher, as a leader in the office of the CIO, is a phenomenal leader with an enormous swath of power, influence, and responsibility. So those two, plus from the intelligence community, two fantastic new leaders, the chief data officer and assistant DNI for the IC, Lori Wade, and also the brand new chief technology officer of CIA, Mulchandani. Both of them new in roles, and this is just going to be a killer time because of the reorganization that both sides have been doing, DOD, IC, and the new focus on bringing technology to bear on mission in the new digital era. This really is a fantastic time to attend this panel and take the measure of what the department and the IC are doing. The other panel that I mentioned, I'm going to be moderating that one. It's uh, We've been really fortunate in getting a great lineup to look at the next era of technology for national security. So we have, believe it or not, the director of DARPA. We have the director of IARPA, the equivalent of DARPA for the intelligence community, and we have the former CTO of the Department of Defense. So uh, Catherine Tompkins, Catherine Marsh, and Lisa Porter. Those three women are perhaps the smartest technologists in Washington, D.C., in national security writ large. They all happen to be women. They all happen to be on uh, on this one panel. I'm going to open the panel by welcoming the audience and then shut up and let them talk. It's I'm really looking forward to that. So thanks for bringing that up. It's on the 15th and 16th of September, and we're really looking forward to that. Hey, you've mastered my key to the art of moderating. Just keep invite really great people to talk to you, and then you don't have to say a lot. So that's also my strategy for a federal news radio program. So I try to optimize. I optimize the amount of work I. Do. So talk a little bit about like what kind of people should attend or would be attending. I think folks are eager to get it back to, you know, in-person events. Is it like the practitioner level, you know, Intel professional? Are you getting leaders, you know, that are interested in coming to the summit or what are opportunities to engage that happen at the summit? I hate to say that it's a real smorgasbord of content, but it really is. And that's intentional on our part. We have multiple sessions across the two days. This really should be a three-day conference, but I know a lot of people travel 
into uh, DC for it. We have multiple sessions that are actually continuing education qualified. And so we have a lot of current working technologists, either working in integrators or support positions around the intelligence community or DOD who really need to keep current. It's, it's one thing to keep current in reading in the internet about technology trends. But as you know, federal technology is a different beast. And of course, even within that concentric circle, there's technology for, you know, for national security and defense and and intelligence. And it's really a different beast. I've been working in that sector for years. And I know that being able to rub shoulders with, talk to, listen to current leadership and uh, leading technologists in that realm, the you can't learn except that way. You really have to talk with people who know what they're talking about. So there's that opportunity for people at the operational level of technology and technology support, IT support, people from CIO organizations, people from federal R&D or federal supporting private sector R&D, IRAD practitioners all around the Beltway. But then there's also, you know, an event like this, it becomes a kind of magnet for business development, understandably, because you really, if you're in a private sector role and you want to know what direction is the government writ large heading towards in technology, in tech adoption, tech acquisition, tech deployment, that's really a big part of the audience for this so that people actually are able to meet and talk with and listen to current serving government officials who know where they're investing their dollars, the taxpayers' dollars, who know where they're driving their organizations and agencies, and who want to meet collaboratively and share thoughts and validate their own thinking with members of industry. So it's really a, a, an interesting group. And then I don't want to undersell, we do get a lot of Capitol Hill and think tank people as well, because they, of course, are also very interested in where is mission heading in terms of technology needs and where is industry heading in terms of brand new capabilities and new tech trends. It's just a can't beat it kind of opportunity to get all of that together in a compact area. I was just on a call this week with an industry partner and it did like get my wheels turning and get my excitement going about this federal tech market because it is obviously technology is hot across the board. I mean, it's, you know, everybody needs, you know, cybersecurity or cyber, whatever we're calling, you know, tech innovation. But across the federal space, the number of stakeholders you get to work with and the mission and the mission impact and those programs and attending something like the Intel Summit really spotlights If you're kind of a geek like me who loves Capitol Hill a little bit and who loves federal government a little bit, but also who, you know, loves our industry partners and industry innovation and private sector innovation, I feel like all of those kind of come together at something like the Intel Summit. So maybe talk about those different like stakeholder engagements and why, even for you as a practitioner or somebody who's working in this space, what kind of gets you excited about this moment in the federal tech landscape? You know, you've got there um, right behind you a label about clearance jobs and security clearance required. When you live in the world of cleared work and cleared technology efforts, cleared technology investments, cleared technology roadmaps for agencies in national security or defense, when you live in that world, sometimes you can become a bit divorced from the reality of what's going on in the larger technology world. You may also be a little bit divorced from what's going on in the world of policy because you're so focused heads down, understandably, on what you're trying to acquire and deploy for your mission. So it's opportunities like this that allow you to meet with the stakeholders who have 
policy influence, who have industry investment and uh, technical roadmap knowledge and responsibility, and for people who have the obligation, really, to drive the mission forward. We have many, many hundreds of current uniformed military who attend as well at all levels, not just the, the people with multiple stars on their shoulder who will be on stage, technical leaders across DOD elements. We have a lot of people from combatant commands who attend. It's all because of this shared desire to understand what's doable, what's achievable, We do this particular event on an annual basis because it's an opportunity to step outside the daily grind and the daily hurdles that everybody faces with defense. We'll be talking about how to optimize and speed deployment on a couple of panels, but it's an opportunity to really step back and look at the big picture and gain the value of what your peers and fellow stakeholders and fellow, you know, your colleagues in this larger intelligence and national security world, what they find currently valuable and in the near term future achievable. So talk a little bit about maybe some of the hot topics or specific trends that people should come to the conference or, or might hear about, or even just broadly in what's going on in the federal technology space. I remember from last year, 5G, AI, cloud is, all, I mean, clouds, clouds no longer new and innovative, can I say it, but it's just, but it's kind of a cornerstone of what we're doing. But what are some of the topics? I noticed space was on the agenda this year. Is space a hot emerging area in tech with Space Force? Kind of what are some of those hot tech topics that are going to be discussed? One of the most important is we have a session on China's threat to U.S. supply chains. So this is an area that just over the last few years has been developing increased awareness, interest, and legislative response on Capitol Hill, in the White House, executive branch, legislative branch, working hand in hand to address this topic seriously. We all know that U.S. industry and critical U.S. supply chains depend on Chinese products, China manufactured products, and the competitive space between U.S. manufacturers that our national security sector depends on, that competitive space with both straight-up Chinese government-backed manufacturing or the world of open-source technology and open-source software, which in many cases relies on a global footprint of development, That is a very critical topic. So we have a really heavy hitter panel on that. The one I mentioned on the digital and AI and technical leadership of the community, how they're responding. Let's see, you mentioned space. It would be criminal if we didn't have a killer session, which we do, on the role of commercial space. We've seen now in the Ukraine conflict the dramatic new power that commercial space and geospatial companies have brought to that particular conflict. And the support that uh, Ukraine and Ukraine's military, the government have been able to rely on now from commercial space providers, both in partnership with the U.S. and our European allies and other partners that Ukraine has been able to rely on. The value of commercial space imagery and reconnaissance, surveillance, uh, geoint support for current operations, it's been extraordinary. This is, I think, the first at-scale modern 21st century conflict between major powers in which commercial space has played a truly defining role. So that's going to be a really important topic. I think, you know, we have mentioned Ukraine. We have a really great panel just on Ukraine with a New York Times national security reporter who's been reporting daily on this China expert, a Russia expert. 
you know, stepping back, the ones that excite me the most, because I have spent a lot of time in the intelligence community as well. I was with the Defense Intelligence Agency. We've got a panel with the director of that agency of DIA, the director of NRO, the director of NGA, and the deputy director of NSA. So all this senior leadership, deputy director of FBI, on a single panel with the opportunity to talk about current up-to-date assessments and the ability to look forward of what's really important in intelligence and intelligence support for U.S. military and national security. So hard to beat. Good grief. All that in two days. Whew, I'm tired just thinking about it. Well, anytime I get a chance to talk to somebody who has research and innovation in their title, I get pretty excited. It's a lot of pressure on you, Lewis. So you do research innovation at VMware. Talk about that day job and how what that looks like, some of the things you're doing in your work there to the extent that you're able. It's really the best uh, day job you could have, right? The ability to work in tomorrow's landscape and to help define that. I don't have to tell this audience about VMware. It's it's leading Silicon Valley company. We have a ubiquitous footprint across the intelligence and national security and federal space, civilian agencies. Everybody loves and uses and relies on VMware. And that's important. It's a kind of obligation that we have, therefore, to really help define what's next in mission support technologies. We're the leader in private cloud. We're the leader in multi-cloud. We're the leader in software-defined networking. We're helping define what the leading technologies are for the new world of telecom and ORAN and you know next generation networking and, and capabilities. That's an important uh, thing for a company to take on, even if you're a big Silicon Valley company as we are. So that's why we invest heavily in R&D. And so, yes, that's where I sit, based here in Washington, D.C., because I wind up working with a lot of our federal partners and customers. But we really, we exist in tomorrow. VMware invests almost $4 billion a year in R&D. So it's a, a substantial, you know, by comparison, DARPA's budget is not quite that large. So it's a substantial investment that we have. And we're just one company. All of our peer companies invest in the billions in R&D each year. At VMware, we're heavily invested in helping invent and define the next generation of 6G and next G technologies for next generation telecommunications. We're working heavily on zero trust and new capabilities and security. And of course, we were the pioneers in virtualizing computation. We were the pioneers in virtualizing networking. We were the pioneers and and SDN, everything that software defined network became. Uh, We were the pioneers in uh, virtualizing storage. We're now helping our customers in thinking about how you virtualize massive data enterprises and how you virtualize our next generation of AI ML. So how do you create massive capabilities, planet scale capabilities in virtualized GPU farms and ASIC farms to support machine learning at great planetary scale? Uh, that's a big task. That's what we're working on in R&D. I couldn't be happier. Love it. Well, those are my only questions for you. Is there anything I didn't ask about that you wanted to make sure you mentioned? Did we talk about the FCA INSA Summit? That's Oh, yes, we did. I, just, uh, I hope so. Looking forward to seeing you and all my friends there. Yes, I will be there. So if you are at the Intel Summit, come find me. There is still time to register. Go to intelsummit.org. And Lewis and I definitely hope that we see everybody there. Great. Thanks so much, Lindy. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of ClearedCast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.